From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. All right, we're going to start a new uh, journey today. But just before I get into that, a um, couple quick th- Quick announcements and thoughts for those of you who have joined on the weekends, Friday, Saturday night, and last this, this weekend, um, last night, Saturday, for prayer. Thank you. Thank you for praying and, and investing in the kingdom of God and coming together and just being hungry. That is continuing. You know, we meet for prayers every, every Tuesday morning, 9.30 to 10.30, but if you are feeling stirred and you want more and you're hungry, Saturday night, 6.30 to 7.30, just want to verify that that is correct, and we're going to continue that until, until you hear otherwise, Saturday night. Just, just There's no agenda. There's, there's no, this, these are the things we're praying for. We're just, people are just coming and interceding um, for the kingdom of God. So that's Saturday night's quick update on life groups as well is because we're coming to the summer, a lot of those life groups are kind of coming to a close for the summer months, and, and we'll begin back up in, in the fall. But you can check the website and contact your life group leader uh, for those details. I would encourage you, for those of you who are not involved um, in a life group to any degree, to get involved in a life group. Because if you don't realize this, we need faith community. We need faith community to continue in our faith. We cannot do discipleship alone. And, and, it's, and it's so important that we find a place and a way to get connected. And so we've endeavored as a church to be a church that functions um, here like this, but also in life groups so that people can do life with one another. And I know everyone's schedule is different. That's why we try to offer a number of different things. Even after the service today, don't just run out the door. And maybe you're like super introverted like me a little bit and people give you a little bit of anxiety and you're like, the service is done, I gotta go. You know, but just, just have 15 seconds of extreme courage, pause and just you know, maybe grab a cookie and a coffee and just say hello to somebody because you need that connection. And a little quick uh, last um, uh, personal update for, for our family. For those of you who are wondering, our baby is not here yet. Um, and uh, she's due soon. She's due to arrive soon. That could happen soon. We don't know when because they come kind of when they want. And uh, if you don't see me, um, actually, Pastor Zoe's fiance, Zach, if you've met Zach Davey, he's actually going to be speaking um, for, for me on, on that Sunday, whatever that Sunday is, wherever it falls, because I'm going to be taking time off. And I'm excited to, to have him here and, and have him at, um, take the, the pulpit and share the word. God's already stirring his heart. Uh, but just so you know, if you don't see us, that's probably where we are. But baby's not, not here yet. Unless I get a, which I can't because she's at the back of the room. I was going to say, unless I got a text message saying, stop, baby's coming. And then I'd be like, goodbye, but she's right there. So you would all know. You would all know. <laughs> that would happen. Anyways, moving on. I digress. We're starting a, a little bit of a journey examining doubt in the life of a Christian. And we're going to look at some uh, stories in the Bible and the scriptures of characters who experienced doubt, had moments of doubt, and see how doubt can actually push us to a deeper faith. And so I have a very simple idea for us this morning, a very simple suggestion, but I think would serve as a good reminder. So Matthew chapter 11, if you have a Bible, you can turn there, and it's going to be on the screen for us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 to 6. Here's how the story goes. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So what do I do when I doubt? That's the question we're asking. I want you to bow your heads one more time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you uh, speak still through your word. That if we long to hear your voice, we can turn to the scriptures, God, and, and hear you. 
and be formed and shaped and transformed, God, by your word. And we pray today that as we look at this story, Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts? All of us, God, are on different journeys, different places. We have different questions. And I pray that we will learn today that we can bring those to you. We can bring those to you. Lord, we bless you. We bless your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story goes of a, spe- a college speech classroom where the teacher, uh, college professor, asked the students to prepare a lesson and present it to the class. And so one student gets up to the, the center of the class, the, the front of the class, and his title of his talk is The Law of the Pendulum. And he proceeds for 20 minutes to describe the principle of the law of the pendulum. And the, the, the law of the pendulum is this. A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Because of gravity and friction, every time it will fall short of that original release point. Each time it swings, it will make less and less of an arc until it comes to a complete rest right at the center. And that is called the equilibrium state where the forces on each side are equal. So the student proceeded to tie a three-foot string to a little toy top. You know those little you know, kids' toys you spin and they, and they move around? Tied a string to, to a top and attached it to a blackboard and then brought the little toy top up to one side of the blackboard and made a mark and then let go. And the pendulum took a swing and just after a couple minutes, another swing and another swing. Each time it stopped and it moved, it made another mark. By the end of the, the moving of this little pendulum, the, it was clear on the blackboard that the law of the pendulum was true. He had proved his point. And so he looked around to the classroom and said, do you guys believe in the law of the pendulum? And the class said yes, and the teacher said yes. They all raised their hand yes. So then the student moved to his next object lesson. In the center of the room, hanging from the ceiling, was a giant large pendulum. Attached to the steel beams were 250 pounds of metal weights tied to four strands of 500-pound Tess parachute cord. He then invited the teacher to come and climb up on a a desk or a a table on one side and sit on a chair and put his head against the back of the cement wall. He then took the 250 pounds of weight and he brought it up to the teacher's nose. And as he brought it up to the teacher's nose, he began to describe the law of the pendulum again. He said, if the law of the pendulum is true, when I release this 250 pound weight and it swings from one end of the room to the other, it will stop shortly before your nose and you will be safe. And he proceeded to ask the teacher, do you still believe that the law of the pendulum is true? Now, you can imagine if you were in that position that maybe you'd probably be hesitating to answer. And so the teacher paused for a while, beads of sweat coming down his head, and then he quietly whispered, yes. So the student let go. And the pendulum swung from one end of the room, hitting the point at the one end of the room. As it proceeded to make its way back, story goes that the teacher never moved faster in his life and dove off the desk. As the pendulum continued to swing, the student stepped around the pendulum and said to the classroom, does the teacher believe in the law of the pendulum? To which every single student said, no. And this story is a little bit like the faith journey of many of us. Because many of us believe in Jesus We've accepted the evidence that has been presented to us. We've had the encounter. We stand on the doctrines. We pray. But when life puts us into a circumstance, and maybe that circumstance is the job that didn't work out, maybe the diagnosis returned, maybe the miracle was unanswered, maybe the anxiety just won't leave, maybe the grief is just too much to bear, but that circumstance causes us to ask some deep questions about our faith. Do I actually believe what I believe? Because the circumstance causes us to doubt. Tyler Statton, pastor, in his book, Searching for Enough, presents his thesis on the idea that for many of us who fill the chairs of, of churches, we find ourselves in the middle of realizing that the claims of this world are not enough. And so we've chosen Christ, but in our journey with Christ, in our journey following Christ, we find ourselves still asking similar questions. So we find ourselves in the middle. Is Christ enough? The world and its promises is not enough. 
But is Christ enough? Is God enough? What do we do when we doubt? Now, if you're, if you're living, <laughs> there's many times we doubt. And there's many things that we can doubt, right? You can doubt the government. You can doubt the media. You can doubt your pastor. You can doubt your friends. You can doubt your family. You can doubt your coworkers. You can even doubt yourself. But one of the hardest struggles for a Christian is when we doubt God. And within the faith, there's nothing that we cannot doubt. You can doubt salvation. I don't know if you've ever had those moments, maybe when you're younger in your faith, or maybe even now you find yourself in a situation. Am I saved? Am I really saved? Am I going to stand before God and he's going to let me in? When he separates the sheep from the goats, am I going to be on the side I hope I'm on? Now, we can doubt salvation. Other times we can doubt God's love. Does he really love me? Even knowing all I've done? Even when he sees those mistakes I still make? You find yourself making that mistake, and then all of a sudden you're overcome with conviction. Can God love someone like me? We doubt his love. We doubt the gifts. We see the spiritual gifts in action. We're skeptical. We're questioning. Is that God, or is that just that person? Did God really speak through that person? God really give them a word? Did they really hear it? We doubt. We can doubt healing. Is that person really healed? Or is that just adrenaline pumping through their body right now? Many times we can even doubt the reliability of Scripture, the existence of God, and even the identity of Christ. And we don't know what to do often when we have these feelings of spiritual dissonance. We find ourselves in this disconnect between what we think, what we believe, and what we're actually experiencing. Am I right? Is doubt wrong? Is it sin? Is it the same as not believing in God? Will God stop listening to my prayers when I doubt? Can I take my doubts to him? And I want to argue before I lose anybody that you can. For the most part, you can simultaneously believe and follow Jesus and have questions. Now, for those of you who immediately jump to James chapter 1, I'm not talking about James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I'm not talking about James chapter 1 where we come to God and we're asking for, for healing and we're asking for wisdom and then we're questioning whether or not he's going to actually answer that prayer. I'm not talking about that. James says that we should expect to not hear anything. For the, there are times where God will answer the prayer of a skeptic. I've seen that happen. But the promise isn't there. The promise in Scripture is that if we doubt, it can actually hinder our ability to walk in the power of God and see the power of God displayed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, right? If you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, move and it shall be moved. Many of us walk in that kind of doubt, right? We live in that doubt. Most people, I would say, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people in the church are not walking in the power of God because they doubt the power of God. We pray the prayer, but we're like, I don't know. Right? Or we'll say things like, your will be done. Now, some of us say that because we actually believe in the sovereignty of God. Like, it's actually a statement of of factual belief in the sovereignty of God, that it is his will be done. Some of us say that as a cop-out for doubt. It gives us an escape when God doesn't answer the prayer. God, I believe and I'm hoping for this miracle. Your will be done. But I want to say that you can believe and still have questions. You can stand for Christ and still have questions. Some have said that faith and doubt go hand in hand. They are complementary. Because the one who never doubts never really believes. They haven't wrestled through and struggled through the big, complex questions of life. Rene Descartes, the great philosopher, said it this way, if you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt as far as possible all things. So in other words, if we truly want to believe, we have to question at some point because question leads us to answers. That's if we actually honestly pursue the answers and honestly ask the question. Some of us, most I would say in this world, are asking questions not because they are honestly doubting and seeking truth, 
but it's a justification for their lifestyle and, and apathy. They doubt, or they ask questions about doubt, not because they want to know the truth, but because they're just really comfortable and don't want to change. Because seeking truth might actually cause us to change. Seeking out the answers might actually reveal something that says to me, you need to do something different. And I don't want to do something different because if I'm a byproduct of 21st century culture, that means that I just love comfort and convenience and my life is really comfortable and convenient right now and how dare you say otherwise. I'll believe in that if I don't have to change. Right? Yeah, sure, I like Jesus as long as he likes me and doesn't care if I change. In comes John the Baptist. John the Baptist is called John the Baptist because he baptized people for the repentance of sin and for turning to God. He was a cousin of Jesus. He was the fulfillment of God's prophecy in Isaiah 40 about a man who had come to prepare the way of the Lord. When Mary came to visit John's mother and tell her that she was going to have a baby and that baby was going to be Jesus, John in his mother's womb leapt for joy. And it was John in his mother's womb that actually announced to his mother who Jesus was. His mother knew who Jesus was because John in the womb. John knew before he knew who Jesus was. John would introduce Israel to Jesus as the Messiah. John would be the one who declared that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. People are flocking to hear from John, to, to be baptized by John. In comes Jesus, and he's, he says, here's someone whose who sandals I am unworthy to untie. Now John is in prison, and he'd been in prison for over a year. He was arrested in prison by a guy named Herod. Herod was the ruler of the region of the Jews under the Roman Empire. And John had declared that Herod's choice to divorce his wife and marry his brother's wife was not right. John was not afraid to rebuke. So John's in prison. And as he's in prison, he begins to hear the deeds, as the scriptures say, of the Messiah. He begins to hear what Jesus is doing. And so he, descends, he sends his disciples with a question for Jesus. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect another? Are you him? Are you the guy? I think that's a strange question from, coming from John. Now, it's unclear when John first consciously knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He was cousins with Jesus, likely grew up around Jesus. He knew in the womb who Jesus was. He knew before he knew. There was one point where he clearly knew. When Jesus stepped on the scene, something stirred in John. He saw Jesus and he says, there's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. We're unclear about when he really knew, but that day was a marking day. That day was the day when he, Jesus, came and said, you need to baptize me. And he's like, what, me? And so he did. He baptized Jesus. And as he baptized Jesus, what did he see? He saw the spirit fall on Jesus in the form of dove and the heavens parted. And he heard the voice of God saying, this is my son. That's what John heard. Now he's in prison and he's wrestling with doubt. He heard the audible voice of God from heaven. That's my boy. And now he's like, are you him? Now, for me, that's a little reassuring. I'm a little reassured by this because one of the biblical greats is wrestling here and having a struggle with doubt. And if, if John could have a struggle with doubt, I think it's safe to say that we all can. If it's, if it's okay for John, and that's written in the scriptures for us to learn from today, that's a little reassuring to me. Jesus said this of John. He said, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wow. And here he is. Are you him? Likely John expected to be in prison. Like he said some provocative things and he wasn't afraid to speak truth. Likely he did not expect to be divided with doubt, stuck alone in a prison cell assaulted with accusing thoughts. The circumstance, I believe, led him to question. What if I'm wrong? 
there have been many false prophets. What if I'm a false prophet? What if I've led thousands astray? My one job was to prepare the way of the Lord. What if, what if he's not the Lord? There have been many false messiahs. What if he's not him? His brain's probably trying to recall all the prophecies he had heard and the signs he had seen. He's probably even trying to remember the moment that God spoke. Doubts are buzzing around his brain, thoughts circulating in his mind. But he sends his disciples and he asks, are you him? See, that's the thing about hardships and difficulties, about life. It's really easy for life to cause us to ask, do I believe what I believe? It's like that pendulum swing. We can see the evidence. It can be presented before us. But you stand on the other side of 250 pounds of weight coming straight for your face. You begin to ask questions. It's different when you're in it. And here is John, and he's in prison. He's in a place in life, and doubts are getting to him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today, you're listening today, maybe you're online, and you're watching. And life is really difficult for you right now. And there's a challenge you're facing there's, a, there's a, a workplace dynamic. There's a, a, a tear in the family. There's something, and it's causing you to question your faith. And what Satan likes to do, the tempter, is he will use life to cause us to question God. He'll use those circumstances to cause us to question God's ability and God's power and his love and his mission and whether you're not a part of his family and his tribe. He's been doing it since the beginning. You go back to the beginning of the book in Genesis you see the Satan's showing up on the scene, and he goes to Eve, and he says what? He doesn't say, God does blah, blah, blah. He says, did God really say that? Did he really say that if you eat from that, that tree? What's he doing? He's sowing seeds of doubt. That's what he does. The devil knows he has a good chance of knocking you off your faith by stirring doubt in your faith. And this is happening a lot in our world right now. You look around our world, this is happening all over our globe. People are questioning and doubting. And instead of doing what John did, they begin to reason away why they don't believe anymore. And there's a word for it, you may have heard it, it's called deconstructing. People are deconstructing their faith. They're, they're finding themselves walking that road of spiritual dissonance, asking those questions, but instead of bringing them to Jesus, instead of using it as a formation tool, asking the Lord their questions, they, they tear apart their faith. Because I doubt, this must be wrong. Or because I see holes in this, it mustn't be true that, you know, we've You've been shaped by some model of faith that maybe you were raised in. You begin to see gaps in those things. And instead of remodeling, you deconstruct. You tear it apart. Now, I would say that deconstruction isn't terribly wrong as long as we reconstruct to a more biblical foundation, sound doctrine. When I look back over my life, I've, I've been a part of this. I've deconstructed a lot of different doctrines in my, in, in my journey that I was raised in and brought in only to reconstruct with something a little bit more sound as I searched for answers. I'm like a super inquisitive mind. If you've ever really had a conversation with me, I'm constantly asking questions. I just want to know. <laughs> I, have a, like, I take after my dad. I remember my dad growing up always say, I'm like a sponge. I just want to know more stuff. And I have a little bit of that in me, but it leads me to be a skeptic by nature. But because of that, I want to be an honest pursuit of the things that I doubt. And so instead of deconstructing, just tearing apart and leaving it there, moving on to something else, we should reconstruct, remodel our faith. And this is what John is doing. John had knew the scriptures and countered God, Jesus, in a very powerful way. And now he's in prison and he's wrestling with the things he's hearing. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Many people, instead of saying things like, you know, I just have some questions about, about the, the faith that I was brought up in. I'm just wrestling and struggling with some things. I'm, I'm just trying to search through what this really means and what it looks like. Instead of saying that, they just, they just give up. But John, he's like, I got to know for sure. I got to know. I want to go. And he sends his disciples to ask. Now, it's probable that John was actually expecting 
Jesus to be someone that Jesus isn't modeling right now. Most of second, this is second temple era where a lot of people expected the Messiah to be this warrior king who would immediately overthrow the oppressive Roman rulers and then bring about um, the, the redemption of the people of Israel. But Jesus came, he did something, obviously we know the story much deeper um, than they expected. And so it's likely that John thought that Jesus was going to come and flip the script and that wasn't happening as quickly as he thought. Actually, some say that this isn't John so much doubting Christ as it is him being impatient with Christ. Basically, come on, man, hurry up. This is not quick enough. Isn't that us sometimes? We're a little impatient. Like maybe we're not doubting so much as we're just impatient with God because we, we say a prayer or we search for an answer, and if we don't find it on Wikipedia or we don't get an answer 24 hours after we, we pray, well, this must be God doesn't love me. He's not real. He doesn't exist. This is true. Wikipedia doesn't say it, so obviously... Thousands of people who can moderate this thing are saying that this isn't true, so obviously it's not true. God didn't answer my prayer right away. He's not a real God. And we're impatient. John, seeing Jesus doing the things Jesus is doing, he's like, come on, are you him? Or should we expect another? But here is where there's a valuable lesson in John's response because John has this uns- unshakable trust in Jesus that Jesus would still tell him the truth. He just needed to hear it. What what is John's first thing that we read? We don't read of John, you know, sitting down with his disciples saying, okay, let's let's open up the Old Testament scriptures. Let's let's dig a little bit. Let's get some Pharisees. You know, let's let's get some of those pagans over here. Let's talk to them. Let's have this conference on whether we believe Jesus is who he says he is. Let's discuss. Let's deconstruct a little bit. No, what does John do? Maybe he does have a little bit. I don't know. But what does he do first? I'm going to go to him. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him, are you the one? John took his doubts to Christ. John took his doubts to God. Church, how many times do we not do this? We have questions and we just let them circulate our brain. And we don't even once pray about it. But that just seems like a cop-out. Okay. This book that we call the scriptures is the story of God. It's his revelation to us. And he has revealed to us through the whole story, through the whole narrative, that we can go to him, that we can boldly approach the throne, that we can actually talk to the God of the universe. That's what we believe in church. And yet we're unwilling to say, God, can you help me with this? I'm wrestling here. I'm, str- I'm struggling. Do you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, you see a man named Israel. Before he's Israel, he's named Jacob. And he, he wrestles with God. Physically. Physically wrestling with the angel of the Lord is what we believe. And if you read the story, it says that he was unwilling to let the angel go until he blessed him. He was unwilling to let go of God until he got what he needed. And that should be the same way we approach God in prayer. I'm unwilling to stop talking to you about this until I get the answer I need. Because you, through Christ, have told me I can boldly approach. You have revealed to me through Christ that you are a father, and a good father is there for his children. And so as your child, I'm coming to you, and I'm wrestling, and I'm struggling, and I got questions. You know, I have, a, I have four kids. One of them, really big talker. Does not stop. Like, nonstop, and constantly inquisitive. He wanted to come with me early this morning, and so I said, okay, I got to go over my message in the morning. That's what I do every morning. I come to church, we get ready, I go over my message, and I said, you need just, I'm not, I'm not being a bad dad. It's like, you can't ask me questions because he constantly asks questions. I'm like, you, I just need you not to talk for a bit so I can just do this. But it's his personality. Daddy, what are you doing? What's that? What happened? I paused for a second. I flipped something. What are you doing now? <laughs> I'm just turning my page, bud. But I answer the question. I get, I get a little frustrated. I'm going to be honest. I'm human. But if, if I 
as the scriptures reveal, as an evil individual, know how to give good gifts to my children by just answering a simple little question. How much more does a loving father willing to be there for you with your question? The God of the universe who created all things set into motion all the laws that we have in in nature. And then as people rebelled, he made a way through Christ. Over thousands of years, prophecies spoken, people leading, a, a story that we have Christ coming. Why would he not choose? If he went to that extreme degree to make a way for us to come to him, would he not be willing to ask our que- or answer our questions about doubt? I'm sorry, I've done enough. <laughs> I've done enough of making a way for you. No, church, he's there for you. So John reveals something so simple yet so profound that we can actually go to God with our doubts. Doubt is often the birth pangs of a deepened faith. We all need to consider that the truths we espouse might be wrong in order to embrace the faith more deeply. So John did what so many failed to do, and he went to Jesus. Are you him? If you actually went to God with your questions, what would that do? How would that change your perspective? If you sat in the word of God and you searched and searched until you found the answer that you need, what if you engaged in conversation with trusted people, sat down with a life group, a pastor who's so willing to meet and chat about these things? Once in a while, I'll get emails from people. Hey, I got a question about this. What what are your thoughts? I just share my thoughts. What if you just engaged in conversation with trusted people about some of those things? What if you got in prayer and you listened intently to the still, small voice of God who so willingly speaks to those who call him? Last night, we were reading a devotional with our kids before bed, and the devotional just happened to be listening to God. And the main idea was that um, when we are quiet and we're still, we can often hear God speak. And so my boys, they wanted to try it. They're young, right? It's really hard for a child to grasp these things. And so we sat and we just closed our eyes and we just listened. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help. <laughs> and, I, and I felt a, a thought came across my mind. You're doing a good thing. That's what came across my mind. So I said to them, I said, hey, what did what'd you get? And then my one son, he just got calm, 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 calm. He's like, that's, I'm like, hey, that could be God speaking to you. My other son's like, I didn't get anything. <laughs> I didn't get anything. And so I said, do you know what I got? What thought just came? And I try to simplify it. And I, I say this to you because I think sometimes as adults, we need it simplified. It's literally just a thought that came across my mind that fit And so I said, do you know what? I said, I got the thought, you're doing a good thing. And immediately, I can't remember which one it was. One of them said, oh, that's because you're actually showing us what it means to stop and listen to God, right? I'm like, yeah. God spoke to me through my kid. What if you just sat in prayer and listened intently? Sometimes I think the problem isn't The problem with our doubt isn't so much that we're doubting faith. We're just unwilling to engage in our faith. I don't know if God would do that. Well, you haven't really tried. Have you actually sat and talked to Jesus like a friend? This is what John did. He went to Jesus. I'm in prison here. I'm likely going to die. Are you the guy? Here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says. And then I'm going to pray in a moment, close this in prayer. You know, I had in mind to bring the worship team up, but I think we just need to, we need to sit in silence, just like, like my boys did. Here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Notice that it doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. 
It doesn't say trust in the Lord with all your heart and find out all the reasons why. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, the law of the pendulum, it's still true. It's still true even when you doubt it. When you stand, I wish I should have attached one, had somebody, like kids' church, we actually do the object lesson. If you're on the other end of that 250-pound weight, the law of the pendulum is still true, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't change the truth. Your doubt does not change the truth. Your question does not change the truth. Your uncertainty does not change the truth. So John goes to Jesus, and I love Jesus' response. I've got to bring you to it as we come to a close here because it can be so easily missed. John's got some deep affection, or Jesus has some deep affection for John. So he invites John's disciples to watch, right? Because he says, he says, report back, report back what you hear and see. So obviously they stop and they watch. Watch, watch me as, you, as I do this, as we heal and we raise the dead and we deliver. Watch. He doesn't just give them an answer. He says, watch and see and go report back to him what you see and what you hear. Jesus actually invites others in to John's question. Jesus actually brings in the faith community that is around John to help sustain him in a moment of doubt. See, the faith community is so important to following Jesus. If you find yourself in a moment where you're tempted to deconstruct in doubt and never reconstruct, you've got to bring in that faith community. Notice that's what John did. He didn't say, guard, get Jesus over here. I got to talk to Jesus. He sends his disciples to Jesus. That would be like the equivalent I was thinking today as someone saying, can you pray for me? I'm praying, but I need someone else to pray for me. Can you intercede for me? Can you go and ask him? Can you, can you, can you talk to God on my behalf? I'm talking to him, but I need some others in that because the faith community has a way of sustaining us. Listen, you cannot do discipleship alone. If you do discipleship alone, you will likely be someone who reasons away your faith in moments of doubt because you have no one to, to find you in that or to bring you to that equilibrium spot. You're just a, a swinging pendulum. I don't know. But the faith community has a way of putting pressure on either side of that pendulum and bring to a place of, of rest and say, okay, let's walk this journey. Let's go this route. Let's talk about this. And really, that's what Jesus did with his disciples. He didn't have them for an hour each week and then send them on their way. They just did life together. And they talked. And they watched him do stuff. And they asked questions. And he answered. And they had discussions. So John, or Jesus sends John's disciples to him and says, report back what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And other translations will say it this way, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is telling John to keep digging and not give up. Don't be offended when, when your expectations are not met. But keep digging and, and keep forming and keep asking questions. So what do we do when we doubt church? Super simple, long 40-minute way of telling you this one truth, okay? Bring it to him. Bring it to him. You know, something I've learned in dealing with people, when, I, when I'm faced with doubts or concerns or questions about someone's life or actions or behavior, you know, maybe I hear something that's said you know, through the grapevine, through the gossip chain. The temptation for me, for a natural human being, is just to allow those things shape my thinking and form a conclusion and leave it at that. And usually when that happens, when I just allow my own thinking to form a conclusion about someone, is it kind of leaves a gap, an unspoken gap between me and that person. And it's awkward and it's weird and it's distant. 
You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there before where you allow the, the things you hear or something that you haven't addressed with someone to kind of shape your view of that person? What I've learned, and I force myself to relearn every single time, that I cannot let my thinking and those things I hear or assume to form my thoughts. But I need to go to that person. Because more often than not, when I go and I sit down with a person and ask them those same questions, and I hear their life, and I hear the, even if we disagree or even if they are true, but I just hear the person, I see the person, you know what it does? It establishes a connection. It builds a relationship. And anything that the enemy would use to cause a wedge there is torn away. And the same is with doubt in God. You can allow your things to circulate and move around in your brain, and maybe things you hear, you, you see a, you know, an Instagram post or a Facebook post, and it must be true because somebody put funky colors around it. Share this or you're going to die tonight. Share this and you'll be blessed a thousand times. Like, whatever, share those things if you want. But, but go to him because you can allow those things to form a theology that isn't true about God. A theology, a way of thinking, a way of believing about God that is not true. But if I go to him, if I turn to his word and I read the scripture and I, and I pray, I actually find myself connected more. I have a big, bigger relationship. And the beautiful thing about relationship and connection is even when I still doubt, I'm more willing to go. Even when I still have questions, the conversation is still open. It's like, we just, it's like when, you have, when you have a disagreement with someone, but you keep the conversation going, you can, it's just like pressing pause, but you can return and say, hey, let's continue that. And it feels okay to, to continue. The same is with the Lord. Go to him. Because we are living in a world right now, church, that is going to bombard you with false truth. And it is getting more and more difficult. Hear this. If you don't hear anything at all, hear this. It is going to get more and more difficult for you to discern what is right and what is almost right. Because the wrong things sound almost right. The way the enemy talks, the way the devil schemes, the way he influences, sounds like truth. The Bible says he masquerades himself as an angel of light. That's why when he went to Adam and Eve, he didn't say, no, this is what's going to happen when you eat the fruit. He just said, did God really say? It's cunning and conniving, and that is the culture, and that is our world. And so it's so important that you don't just let your brain spin around, but you actually go to him and say, Lord, I'm wrestling right now. I'm struggling right now. Lead me to your truth. Help me in this, because you are bombarded constantly by messages. And listen, one hour and a half a week with this crazy guy yelling at you is not enough. If this is your spiritual formation, I'm telling you, you will fail in your faith. This is not enough. I might be good. <laughs> but it's not enough. It's not good enough. Because the moment you step out of here on your phone, on the radio, in the music you listen to, the news you watch for 17 hours a day, you're hearing messages, you're hearing claims. So if this is the only way you get fed by the word of God, stop and open up the Bible. Listen to more sermons. Listen to the Bible on audio. Pray. If you are hearing more messaging from there than you are from here, no wonder you're doubting. Right? No wonder you're discouraged. No wonder you keep falling into temptation. No wonder you're finding yourself in sin. Because you're hearing sermons 160 hours a week from something other than a church. Unless you're someone who listens to sermons 160 hours of the week. You hearing me? Like This is a nice idea, that I'm simple idea I'm presenting to you. It might just sound nice and we can go on our way. Oh, that was a nice little church service. Whatever, let's go on. But life and death is on the line here. Your soul. You know, when Jesus called his disciples. He called them to do life with him. Every day, they ate together. They slept near each other. They did work together. Like Jesus was by their side every hour of every day. You can't just pick up Jesus on a Sunday morning. That's not following Jesus. You are not a follower of Jesus. 
That's not enough. It will not sustain you. It's like eating a meal once a week does not sustain you. Why do we eat meals? You know, why did God create us to eat meals consistently throughout the day? To have nutrition consistently throughout the day. Maybe it was to reveal to us that we needed something beyond ourselves consistently throughout the day to survive. Why is it that we on this earth need a sun, you know, whatever millions of billion, I don't know the number, miles away to sustain life on earth? Maybe it's to reveal to the life on earth that we need something beyond ourselves to sustain life. And so bring your doubts to God. Bring them to the word. Got big questions? Great. Have big questions. Have big issues with some doctrines? Fine. Perfect. Let's find some answers. You're still not sure about it? That's okay. Keep walking forward. Right? Keep wrestling with God. Keep Keep struggling with God. Keep, keep searching after. Doubting Thomas, what do he say? I've heard these things, but until I, I touch his, his hands, and until I feel him, until I'm in the nitty-gritty with him, I won't believe. But he, but he was willing. He kept wanting to go. He kept wanting to dig. So John teaches us this simple lesson. Very simple. When you doubt, what do you do? You go to Jesus. When you bow your heads? Let's just sit here for a moment in prayer. If you got a doubt, you got a question, maybe you're in that mode, you're in that place. And you just need the Spirit of God. You need some truth. You need some answers. And maybe you're not going to get an answer right away. I don't think maybe you will. But maybe through the Spirit, you'll get some reassurance. So I just want you to listen for a moment. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to listen for a moment, then I'll close this in prayer. Let's just listen to God speak. Father, we just ask right now as we bow our heads in this quiet moment that you would speak to us. I would hear your voice. Sense your spirit. Know your truth. Because I know that all of us, Lord, wrestle with this at some point or another. Maybe there's somebody here that's, that's there right now. In Jesus' name. Let's just sit for 30 seconds. coming to you, Jesus, right now. Coming to you to hear you. Lord, would you speak to us? Thank you, Lord. Anybody got anything? That was also one of my children. <laughs> if you're online and you didn't hear that, my three-year-old little daughter just said no. <laughs> Anybody, what is the Lord speaking to you? Yeah, that's good. All my life you've been faithful, a song. That's good. The Lord speaks like that. All week, I'm just going to repeat it so that those are online. All week, you've been hearing the hymn, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. And here we are talking about taking it to the Lord. Come on. Anybody else? Yeah, 
That's good. How to struggling with, with how to communicate with a trying child, which is, is hard. I get that. And God's saying, love him through it. Receive God's love, love him through it. Anybody else? What is God speaking? Never give up. Don't give up. It's good. This is God speaking, church. Come on. Anybody else? Yeah, step out of my comfort zone and pray for people out loud. It's good. What's that, sorry? My grace covers all. Absolutely. So, we just spent a minute going to God and hearing Him. Now, I'm going to make it very clear to you that if you go to God with a complex question about a doctrine, you might not hear through a thought comes through your mind the answer to that complex doctrine. But he will lead you to truth. But I do guarantee if you make this a practice of going to God with your questions, that he will speak one way or another if you continue to go to him. And maybe you're like that three-year-old little girl and you got nothing right now. And that's okay. But keep going. Don't give up. Because you're going to hear messaging and sermons through radios, music, news constantly. And it's going to form your thinking and your theology. So you need to get back into the Word and talk to God when you have questions. So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love for us. Lead us to truth. Holy Spirit, you are truth and you will lead us to all truth. So I pray that you lead us to that as we wrestle with life's big questions and small questions. As we find ourselves in circumstances, maybe there's somebody here today, Lord, who's going through something difficult, something hard, and you see it and you know it. And it's causing them to wonder if their faith in you is enough. Oh, would you, God, in that circumstance right now, I intercede for that person. Would you right now in the name of Jesus show that you are more than enough? More than enough. Sustain them, strengthen them. Give them some hope. Give them grace. Oh, we pray, God, that we would put this truth into action. We do as James said, not just be hearers of your word, but doers of the word. Thank you for John, his life, his legacy, God, and what we can learn from him. Ultimately, God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your life, for loving us, for pursuing us, for saving us, for leading us here together, God. Thank you that we can worship you. We bless your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, God bless you. As you leave today, be friendly. Say hello to somebody. Shake a hand. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.